The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So let's get over now and join our next guest, uh, Danielle Mardimartino-Booth, CEO and Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence. She's here to discuss the uh, speech by Fed Chair Jay Powell. And uh, thanks for joining us, Danielle. Uh, we got uh, Jay Powell cementing expectations. Ultimately, the Fed will step away from its aggressive pace of tightening next month. And he was presenting a case for achieving lower inflation without tipping the economy into a deep recession. Danielle, do you, do you buy it? No, I don't. Uh, and I, I don't buy it solely given the, the, the many, many economic data points that, that came out today. Uh, we, we saw the Chicago PMI, which is kind of the, it's, it's the heart of the industrial sector in the United States. We saw that collapse to 37 at the headline. Bloomberg forecast was calling, the consensus was calling for 47. Uh, the last three months, we've seen 164,000 job losses in the manufacturing sector which echoes what's happening in the industrial region via the Chicago PMI, um, the, the biggest number of which was this morning, the negative 100 print. So it, it, markets, I think, today are celebrating that the data is so bad that it looks like it's going to force Powell to the sidelines. And yet, when you see the Dow Jones Industrial, that headline, geez, the Dow's up 700 points. That just gives him, I think, in my view, more ammunition to take it from 75 to 50, but then he'll get back to you. So let's take a look at the bond market, because many people lean toward the bond market more than the stock market to get the real story. Is the bond market telling the Fed that it has, as you suggest, over-tightened? Well, I think that that's certainly the message that we're getting, because we are beginning to see a steepening of the yield curve that has been so deeply inverted, the most inverted since 1981, seeing the beginnings of a reversal that typically goes hand-in-hand hand with the economy being in recession, not warning of recession. Um, and you actually see that on the global stage as well, obviously, with the global uh, yield curve inverting. So I, I think one thing that, that your listeners should really bear in mind is that there's a bigger globality to the current downturn in the global economy. There's, there are going to be more companies, more countries, excuse me, encompassed by the downturn. In other words, there's going to be fewer places for the United States to hide from the downturn. 
Yeah, th that's just it, isn't it? I mean, with Europe looking pretty bad, and you've got also uh, China uh, with all sorts of issues that it confronts right now. But I will also just say to you one thing here, Daniel, which is that uh, the United States has never really suffered a recession which has been imported. It's been quite happy to export one, though. <laughs> that would certainly be the case with the fiscal overspending, exporting inflation to the rest of the world that was then compounded by Russia invading Ukraine, which created the energy crisis and obviously food inflation that were exogenous factors that just piled onto the inflation that the United States was exporting. But again, everything we're seeing, we've got 29 states in the United States with rising initial jobless claims, continuing claims, the percentage of Americans collecting unemployment insurance, that's up 20% year over year. I can throw out as many validating points as you want, which is why Citi's economic surprise indicator is flashing as red as it is. Well, we've had this big change in China. We spoke about this a lot yesterday, and I think some of our colleagues uh, thought maybe we went a little bit too far about a change coming, but we saw now more of it today uh, with the comments from Vice Premier Sun Chunlan. And the reason I bring this up is that if China, a lot of what China has suffered from has been um, sort of an own goal, self-induced. If they decide to, to you know, sort of get with the, the rest of the world, the way it's handling COVID, that could be... Uh, that could be a, a, a you know a big input, a positive input to the global economy. Do, do you think that that maybe brings the U.S. back a little bit? I, I think that if we're looking for a repeat of 08, 09, or the industrial recession of 2015, 2016, um, that the evidence that we have is that China's stimulus can be of a more gradual nature as opposed to the explosive, gee, look, there's all of Latin America. We're going to pull it away. It, all, all of the central banks there look to be on an easing precipice. I don't think that given the amount of stimulus that China has to deploy domestically, that it has the wherewithal, the financing, the $2 trillion wall of municipal bonds that have to be refinanced in China. I don't think there's enough to go around to make sure that it safeguards its own domestic economy and bails out the rest of the world. I just don't think there's enough there. Okay, so... The final question is, what's going to happen next? And what are the dangers of a policy mistake? So I, I think, um, and this was echoed prior too by Lisa Cook, a member of the Federal Reserve Board, until the job is done. I don't think there's a sufficient appreciation, if you look at money growth, of the effect of quantitative tightening. It's not just $95 billion a month in the United States. It's $750 billion a month globally. So that liquidity continues to come out of the system, regardless of whether the pace declines from 75 to 50 in December and then from 50 to 25 basis points on February the 1st. You've still got this depletion of liquidity in the global financial system that I dare say cannot be ignored. Hmm. Danielle, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Danielle DiMartino Booth, CEO and Chief Strategist at Quill Intelligence. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. 
More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.